The Courage to Lead, episode 102. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Dr. Jane Lovis. Dr. Lovis is an executive coach, visionary, thought leader, author, podcast host, and speaker. Coaching and advising women leaders and executives in technology, she provides the vision, action, and accountability to help them go from successful to exceptional by creating clarity, focus, and release. Dr. Lovis has a PhD in organizational behavior and a master's in information systems. She's a certified Marshall Goldsmith stakeholder-centered coach and a partner with Predictive Index. She's a very right-brain, left-brain thinker. This gives her the ability to see the big picture of your vision and then dive deep into the nuts and bolts of what needs to be done. Having consulted to companies such as Booz Allen Hamilton, Washington Mutual, Fannie Mae, Nextel Communications, XO Communications, she has a proven track record of successful leadership while successfully turning around failing projects, improving morale, communication, and team cohesiveness. Dr. Lovis is a host of the Leadership Reimagined podcast. She has weekly conversations with leaders about creating a new vision for leadership and going forward. So, Dr. Lovis, welcome to the program. Thank you, Harlan. This is exciting. It's no, been a while it's, since I've been on this side of the table. Absolutely. No, I was on your podcast a month or so ago, right? Yep. And uh, we've been trying to get you on here. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is excellent. Very cool. Um, and I, I want to go into all of this stuff. I want to learn how you work with your clients, um, the clarity, focus, and release. I want to get into some of that detail and see what you do. But before we get started, I have 10 questions that I ask all of my guests. Listeners will know that these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where host James Lipton asks these 10 questions of his guests, the Hollywood uh, folks from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're more than good enough for my guests. So, Dr. Jane, I've got 10 questions for you. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Audacious. Audacious. What is your least favorite word? Consistency. (laughs) (laughs) We'll dive into that later. Okay. What turns you on? Oh. Having conversations. Nice. What turns you off? Hmm. Anything that I have to do the same thing more than twice. I'm with you. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, The silence when you're at the top of the mountains skiing. Nice. What sound or noise do you hate? The scratch of electronics. (laughs) What is your favorite curse word? Hmm. And you can say rhymes with, starts with. No, it's not even that bad. It's just trying to figure to, you know, because I just, uh, it's not that I don't, I just don't, but probably crap. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, (laughs) what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Mm. Be a brain surgeon. That'd be really dangerous, right? (laughs) (laughs) That'd be fun. Okay. What, uh, what profession would you not like to do? Um, Anything where you just have to keep doing the same. So like a file clerk. Yeah. Just because of the repetition. Yes. More than anything. <laughs> yeah. All right. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? We were waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent job. 
All right. Dr. Lovers, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, um, your degree, because I, I want to talk about organizational behavior. That's a big uh, piece of mine. And Marshall Goldsmith. Good. Mm-hmm. I follow Marshall in his work. So yeah, I want to talk about all that stuff and leadership and courage. All right. Cool. So we'll, yeah. We'll talk about that and more uh, right after this message. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And we're back with my guest, Dr. Jane Lovis. Jane, thank you again for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to talk to you. Oh, you so, are welcome. So I want to talk about how you got your start. Now you got a master's degree in information systems, but then you got a PhD in organizational behavior. Now my background is organizational change management. So at, at, just on the, on the surface of organizational behavior, talk to me about how you made that transition from IT, from kind of the IT side to the, the people side of business. Well, I'm going to give you a really short um, timeline because like I said, I don't like doing anything more very often, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I graduated from high school, I was going to be a nurse. Then I was in a car accident. So once I, so I dropped out mm-hmm. when I got healthy, took me about six or eight months or so. I joined the air force. I spent four years in the air force okay. to get the GI bill so I could go to school. So I was going to be a social worker. So I started in that. I did three years towards a degree in social work. And we were moving. And I went to the place where we were in Las Vegas at Nellis Air Force Base. And I went in and said, okay, I'm interested in this computer stuff. I had no clue what it was. (laughs) And they said, okay, what would you like? information systems or computer science? I said, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. They said, discrete math. So I said, okay, I'll go information systems. (laughs) Good choice. (laughs) Yeah, no. So then we moved years later, a few years later, we moved to Hawaii. So I got my master's in information systems at Hawaii Pacific University. And I... I love the problem solving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you said that you read out of my bio that I'm very right brain, left brain. And what I found out where I really excelled was in the problem solving with the people. Nice. So I was a software developer for years, and then I moved into project management and, and different, you know, different areas of management. And that's where I was the most successful was empowering others and supporting them in figuring out what they're, what they needed to do. So, um, so I ended up going to get a master, a PhD in organizational behavior. It's because I wanted to know more. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did that. And, and then this last year, I was certified as a Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Center coach. And what I see is that that kind of ties it all and brings it all together. Absolutely. So you can see I've had, you know, a very circuitous roadmap to where I am. No, but that's, that's good, though. Uh, yeah, as an organizational change management consultant, we would go in and do a lot of the requirements gathering. What mm-hmm. the business was getting ready to put in a software, SAP, you know, Oracle, yep. something like that. We would work on the the business side. What does the business need from this? What do you do now? What do you need to be able to do? 
and and things like that. So we would gather those requirements and then have to translate them to the IT team. Here's how they need this to work, right? Because yep. a lot of companies will come in and, and slap some new software in and say, here, use this without ever taking the business's you know, needs into consideration. Right, right. And then I was on the development side where we were actually developing different software, sometimes internal um, to the organization. And the, you know, you know, users always want what they want until they see it. And then they realize that's not what they wanted. Yeah. Well, that's why rad, right? Rapid application design is important. That's why agile is important. Yep. Get something out there, let them look at it then tweak it, give it back to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But then the, the shift to organizational behavior, because like I said, that's more on the people side of the house, understanding why people do what they do, which I don't see how anybody ever understands that because people are weird, but that's what it's all about is trying to understand an organization, a business is a living organism and it, it morphs and it, it grows and it, you know, all depending on the the people you have in there and the leadership they have and stuff. Um, What did you learn? What, what kind of things maybe were surprising to you when you got into the, the businesses? Well, you mentioned clarity, focus and release, and Mm -hmm. that came out of that because I worked at, consulted with some small organizations and some larger organizations. And what I noticed so often that was missing was clarity on their vision. What, and maybe there were certain people that had a real clear idea, but the articulation of it and the sharing of it is a challenge for many people. I mean, I have, I've had this challenge with myself. I mean, the worst person to work with is, is to have yourself as a client, right? (laughs) You know, because we've got something in our head. And one of the stories, one of the examples that I just used that is not real by any means, but we can all imagine it is, You've got a leader and you've got a team and they're on the East coast. And the leader says, my vision is we're moving to California. We're going to go work in California. And everybody goes, yay. Yeah. Great. So head out to California. And the leader gets to California and gets in, goes to LA and starts looking for the team and calls the team members. And one team member says, well, yeah, I'm here in California. And the leader says, where are you? And the team member says, I'm in San Francisco. No. Well, you said come to California. So I'm here. And then another member says, oh, I'm up in the mountain skiing. (laughs) And another member says, I went to San Diego. Well, they all got to California. Right. Yeah. So they're not wrong. <laughs> no, they're not wrong at all. But that that vision of what he wanted was not clear enough for everybody to see the exact same outcome. Exactly. Yeah. And so as I have, you know, worked and, and consulted, that's one of the pieces of the clarity is what is it that you really want to create and how do you mm-hmm. articulate it? Exactly. Yeah, I was working with one one of my clients a couple of years ago, and he was doing a like a, a mid year survey of his team to find out how they felt, what they wanted to do, what they wanted to accomplish, where they thought they were going in the business, and everything like that. And I came to visit with him, and he said, "You know, I'm so frustrated. You got to help me." And I go, "Why?" And he goes, "I can't get them to respond to me." I said, "Well, did you give him a deadline?" And he said, "No." And I go, "Well, then they're not late, <laughs> you know." They could get to you next year. It doesn't matter. You have to, yeah. you have to, you know, be very specific. Like you said, if you want it by Friday, tell them I need it by close of business Friday. And why did you want this? Yeah. What's the reason for it? When yeah. people understand, oh, and that's what makes this worth doing now, as opposed to putting it at the bottom of the pile that where you never get to. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Communication is huge. And uh, so the better, Mm -hmm. 
the better they can be about communicating and, and sharing that vision. And they have to have a good, clear picture in their own mind. If they don't really know where they're going, mm-hmm. you know, there's that old uh, the quote from Alice in Wonderland, right, where she asks, what road should I take? And the Cheshire Cat says, where are you going? She goes, it doesn't much matter. He goes, well, then it doesn't matter what road you take. Exactly. You know, you'll yeah. get somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And wherever you go, there you are. Absolutely. <laughs> So Marshall Goldsmith, like I said, I'm a big fan. I, I follow him, watch his videos, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the books and everything like that. I love his approach to working with leaders because he doesn't just work with the leader. He works with all the people connected to that leader, upline, downline, peer level, yep. so that the entire organization is lifted. Yes. And that when I discovered that, it was like, ah, that's the model that I would have created if I had spent time creating a model because leaders are effective in the listening of others. Yeah. And if you have to change that listening, you need to know what they're thinking about you. Hmm. And then you have to take action. And what what stakeholder-centered coaching does is it really involves the leader with the people, with that that team, sharing what they're doing. So it takes a real level of of authenticity and vulnerability to share. This is an area that I'm working to get better at, you know, and you may be really great at it, but Mm -hmm. they're just as Marshall's book the title of his book is what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. So even that level of authenticity to say, this is where I'm going and I'm not there yet. Right. And you're actually enrolling your peers. And as you said, the upline and the downline, everyone in your success, what's a better way to create success than to enroll others in your success. Absolutely. And the the term stakeholder, you know, anybody Mm -hmm. that has a stake in your success, right. Or is impacted by your success. And with the focus on everybody that is involved in that, those people, then the peripheral people start looking and saying, well, what could I do better? How could I improve? (laughs) And then they start talking to the people around them. How can I help you improve? And then pretty soon the entire organization is, is improved. So yeah, I love that model. That is awesome. So you've worked with some pretty major companies, Booz Allen, mm-hmm. big, big consulting firm, uh, yep. Washington Mutual, Fannie Mae. Um, what was one of the things you, you're most proud of working with those companies? Well, there was a project that um, with one of the companies that I literally got dropped into. I felt like I was airdropped into it. It was a regulatory project. So, you know, as, as organizational Mm -hmm. development, that regulatory projects, the government gives you a date and there's, you don't get to change the date. Mm -hmm. So they called me, they were six months behind on an 18 month project. Wow. Yeah. Good luck. Godspeed. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I got brought in by someone I knew on the team. That person recommended me. And they were, it it was back to clarity, focus, and release. That's kind of was the beginning of that focus, that way of focusing for me is, because they were going all over the place. They were trying to solve every problem. So one of the things that we had to do was, okay, what is the problem that needs to be solved for the regulators to come and review this, to assess? And once we got really clear on that and got everyone re-engaged on that focus, then we could really move quickly because we let go of everything else. And so it was taking that, I, and I didn't even know 
anything about the, the problem that they were solving. It was a financial um, modeling um, application. <laughs> and I had no, I am not a financial person by mm. any means. They had all the experts. I know how to, to get people on the same page and get nice. things done. Nice. That's, and that's what they didn't have and they needed. Very cool. So yeah, I was really proud of that because we got it done. We were nice. done. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Especially being dropped into something like that, you know, coming into a project that is failing, they fired, you know, this team or that team. Yeah. It's like, Hey, this probably isn't possible. We got six weeks go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So you talk about clarity, focus, and release. What is it you're helping them release? Is it something that's holding them back? It can be old behaviors, limiting mm-hmm. thoughts. Yeah. Anything that's holding you back. Um, so when, when I'm working with a team or coaching, if there's something that you're trying to, to expand, there's probably some behavior that's holding you back, some limiting thought. Um, I was just having, we were having a conversation a couple of days ago about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many of us, most of us, I could probably say everyone mm-hmm. has that. At, at one point or another. At Absolutely. one point or another. Yeah. And I know for, for women, especially women leaders, that's one of the things that tends to, one of the behaviors that tends to hold them back is because women are more likely to assume, and I've had this same thing for myself, is that I have to be 110% sure that I can do that before right. I say yes. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to jump in. And that's, yeah, that's something I had to learn a long time ago as a consultant, mm-hmm. you know, can you do X? Yes, I can. And then you make a phone call. Hey, how do I do this? <laughs> you know? And you learn on the way you learn as you go, or you say, yeah, let's that we can absolutely do that. Let's meet Tuesday, next Tuesday, and we'll go through this. And then you have the weekend mm-hmm. to read books and look it up and, and try to do it. That's kind of the way that I was taught as a consultant. Um, women leaders don't do that too. No, they want to actually know very often that they can can really do the job. Mm. And and what what I have discovered and want to share with all of our listeners is that even when we think we can't, we have much more capability than we're aware of. Because if it's something, I mean, there are times that, okay, no, you would not want to hire me to be a handyman and build your house. (laughs) Even if I could figure it out. Yeah. That's just not. And when we know where our strengths lie, and if you don't, you want to start looking at what are your strengths and get clear because it's those strengths that are going to help you solve that problem. Even if you don't know how nobody know, here's the thing. Nobody really knows how to solve a problem. If we knew there wouldn't be a problem. Right. That's true. That is true. But you know, you have people that are really, really good with the, the deliverables, the hands-on, right? Mm-hmm. We need those people. Absolutely. You yeah. have the managers who are good at managing the schedule, managing the, products and services, managing the inventory. But then you need the leaders, the people that have that vision that can come in and get the most out of everybody, pull that team together and have them achieve at the highest level that they are capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's really that creating that vision, being able to hold and, and actually share that vision Mm -hmm. because leadership is really around empowering others to accomplish a goal. If you as the leader have to accomplish that goal yourself, all you can do is the goal that you can accomplish yourself. 
So you want to be able to empower, if you can empower 10 people to accomplish that goal, that goal can be 10 times bigger. Yeah, absolutely. But the leader has to have uh, the ability to share that vision, right? Mm -hmm. And be able to explain the why. Like I said, the why is so important. Why are we doing this? Exactly. So what do you look for in a leader? You work with a lot of leaders. You help them. What are they, what are they struggling with and what do you look for? Um, authenticity. Okay. Openness. Yeah. And willingness. Hmm. The trifecta. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's really important to me is work with people and primarily women and that are willing to one acknowledge that there's something in the way. So that's being authentic and, and it's being authentic about what they can, they can do and what they can't do yeah. and what they're afraid of and what's what they think could be stopping them. And then that willingness to try. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Good stuff. So let's talk about courage. Where did you find the courage? You know, most people are comfortable in the the comfort zone of the nine to five working for somebody else. And then others say, no, there's something that's needed that I want to provide, or I've, here's a skill that, that I have that I want to put to use. Um, and that takes a lot of courage for some people to step out and kind of create their own their own destiny and their own success. Where did you get that courage? Hmm. I was more afraid of boredom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't want to be tied down doing the same thing. Repetition. Um, we know. Yes. Yeah. Repetition. <laughs> and um, my dad had his own business. Okay. He's a, a manufacturer's rep. Nice. And I, I grew up with that, that freedom of, he was around at a lot of times where some of the other dads weren't around because he worked from home. So there was times he could do things. He had his office in, in the, in, at home. And so he was available for, for different things at different times. Nice. Um, so I loved that flexibility. And, and then I spent four years in the air force doing virtually the same thing. Mm-hmm. And when I got out, I said, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I have, to, the other thing is, you know, and, and you know this because you talk about courage a lot, is that what for one person is courage isn't a big deal for another person. Sure. And they have something else. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people, you know, so I wrote, I wrote a book a few years ago on, on some of my journey. And it's, it's, it's illustrations. I, I am not an illustrator by any means, but I draw these little drawings all the time. I'm a very visual person. And the title of the book is called put your big girl panties on and kick your fears in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And I did, and I did it all in secret. So I'm kind of an individualist, you know, I've really had to work to be, that's why another reason I like being a coach and a consultant is because it's like, I do this. Yeah. Um, and then I shared those drawings with somebody and she's the one that said, oh, you should create a book. There are others that would, I was like, no, nobody else would appreciate that. So that was a fear for me. Nobody else is going to appreciate it. Nobody else yeah. is going to want it. And then we come up with this very radical name, you know, <laughs> that, and 
the the first place that I'm going to publicly say it is at a leadership breakfast mm. that is probably 80% men. Wow. <laughs> and so I'm on the phone the night before I, cause I committed to these people that I was going to share the book. And I'm like, maybe I just, maybe I should change the name of the book. Maybe I'm, I can't do this. Maybe I'm not going to go tomorrow. No, you're going to go. You're going to go. You're going to say it. And so, you know, and I've been at this breakfast for a number of years. So it was, you know, but oh, I was so scared. And I, so I it was my turn. So I stand up and I say, I'm Jane Lovis and I'm the author of the book. Put your big girl panties on and kick your fears in the ass. <laughs> and I'm just ready to like, I wanted to disappear. I was hoping I would disappear and everybody just starts laughing. And then the gentleman next to me, it's, he has to wait until everybody stops laughing and he gets up and he goes, I forgot my big girl panties today. <laughs> I was going to say, I know some men who I would love to just tell them, put on your big girl panties. Let's, yeah. let's get on with this. Yes. So That's then awesome. the whole room erupts in laughter again. Perfect. But so we all have places where we have to really be courageous and step outside of our fears. Yeah. And for someone else, they may go, oh, that was no big deal. But this for me is really big deal. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, public speaking is always pointed to as like one of the biggest fears people have, right? There's the fear of death, the fear of the dark <laughs> snakes. <laughs> And then way up there is public speaking. For some people, it's so easy. Yeah. And for other people, they just can't even imagine themselves getting up in front of people and talking. I would rather do public speaking than have to walk up to somebody at a networking event. Yeah. Yeah. So, or cold yeah. calling. I don't like cold yeah. calling. Cold yeah. calling. Yes, Urgh. exactly. <laughs> yeah. My business would be much even more successful if I was. Yeah. When I deal with that. So that's what I'm taking on this year is because there's a certain amount of cold calling and new and asking people. That's another mm -hmm. fear. That's a fear that I have of asking yeah. people. Sure. Wow. So with the leaders you're working with, do they struggle with different fears and, and what are they struggling with? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I wish I wish that. Well, no, I don't wish nobody struggled with fears because then they probably wouldn't. <laughs> You wouldn't grow. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's like, don't wish for any problem to not have problems for companies not to have problems because they wouldn't hire us. Right. Um, so, so yeah, some of the problems are I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking with a potential new client today or yesterday. I was having a conversation with her and she comes from a very, command and control background. And she's now with an organization that's much more flexible. And she's not quite sure how to deal with that because mm. she's comfortable with command and control. And yet she's got to step out of that comfort zone yeah. to move into, you know, the culture of the new organization. So so dealing with that, we were talking about that fear yeah. and that's, and that's, you know, another, a, a fear that, as I said earlier, the fear, one of the fears that women oftentimes have is the not being confident until they absolutely know that they can deal with that situation. Yeah. And you can't always wait till you're hundred percent. No. You have to be good with, you know, 70%. And then learn the rest on the way. But how do you help them overcome that then? I mean, do you have a, in your programs that when you're working with them, do you have a, like a, a roadmap that you take them down to kind of get them into the. Well, with the stakeholder centered coaching and, and this is why I love this is it's about sharing that and coming up with actions. Cause I'm all about, Take creating action. So this gives the leader a very specific way to, to share and create some actions and then follow up. 
Nice. So by creating, so the roadmap is what is it that you want to deal with Mm -hmm. and who are your stakeholders and what actions are you going to take? And then following up and saying, asking, did I, did I do this? And then what else, what other suggestions that you have? Yeah. And a big thing is, as a leader, you don't get to say, but well, no, I didn't. You, all you get to say is thank you. Yeah. Which makes it a really safe place for people to provide feedback. Nice. But then you have to do something with that feedback, right? What did you, uh, one thing that used to drive me crazy on these projects is we would have a lessons learned, right? The postmortem oh, at the end yes. of the program, what worked, what didn't work and why we call it a lessons learned. We would document lessons, but it never, never really felt like anybody learned them because the next project you heard, they were doing the exact same thing same over thing. you. Yeah. How do you get these people to actually learn from these steps? Well, and that's, that's the sharing of the actions. So, so letting people know what it is that you're, and, and being authentic of, these are the ones that I'm working on. I'm not working on everything, you know? So like for an organization, you know, as you're talking about the lessons learned after a project, it's like, okay. And I know that in other areas, one of an action item uh, very often is we tried to do too much in too short a time. Yeah. So the next project, we're going to look at the scope and realize, you know, and double those times, you know, because it's got to be yeah. something that people can look at and say, okay, let's look, let, can we see that you did this? Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I really liked about the Marshall Goldsmith approach is actually letting your peers, letting your subordinates, everybody know you know, first of all, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Here's what I'm going to work on. And you can help me by doing X or Y, right? Pointing this out to me and helping. And uh, I like that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a private pilot. And so I use a lot of flight analogies with my clients. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talk about is when I'm getting ready to fly anywhere outside of my local area, I file a flight plan. It Mm -hmm. starts off with where am I now? Where do I want to be? How do I plan to get there? And what are the checkpoints along the way that I can check my progress, right? So many minutes into the flight at this altitude, at this airspeed, I should see a water tower off to my right. And if I do, I know I'm on course. If it's not there or if it's on the other side of the plane, I'm way off course, right? Same thing in business. You have to have a strategic plan. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? How are you going to get there? And how are you going to measure that progress? And that's one thing that that his approach does is, is here's what I'm going to do. And then constantly kind of measuring, did I, did I do it? What did I learn from that? How could I be better next time? And then do it again. And go. Right. And because you're doing that with others and you're sharing it and you're asking for their input, mm-hmm. what you've really done is enroll them in your success. Yeah. And that, that is so critical because Leaders are leaders in the listening of someone else. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're living in a vacuum, you're not being a leader. Leader, Leadership takes place out in the world. And it's other people see you as a leader and follow you because you are a leader. So it's that listening that they have of you as a leader that's so important. And this is one of the most effective ways that I've seen of changing that listening and knowing that you've positively impacted it. You know, you can, I've done coaching before where it's one-on-one coaching. And you, you talk to the person and you hope that others are going to see that there's a, a change. Right. 
but you have no feedback mechanism to really get clear on that. Yeah. Knowing somebody is watching you, right. Is, is, I mean, it's like if, if I join the gym, that's one thing. If I have a, a coach, a weightlifting coach or something at the gym, I'm going to show up intentionally, right? Yes. So if when you tell everybody around, hey, this is what I'm working on and I'm going to get better at this, boy, you better be on it. And I'm going to come back and check with you in a week yeah, or a month or whatever yeah. the time frame is and, and see what, you know, and get your feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. So tell me about your podcast. Leadership Reimagined. Well, I am, you know, not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur or work for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm committed that people feel valued and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's going to be within an organization. And so Leadership Reimagined came about through, you know, in part because of the pandemic, that we have an opportunity to look at what's working and what's not working and really make some radical differences. And so every week I have a conversation with with a leader or of, either they're within an organization or their coach as as you and I had our conversation and share what, how can we reimagine what's possible going forward? Nice. Yeah. I love it. I, you know, and that's where, when you asked me, what did I love doing? And it's those, those kinds of conversations, this kind of conversation, because these are the conversations that get people thinking. Yeah, exactly. No, I love it. I've learned so much from the conversations that I've had on the mm-hmm. podcast. Absolutely. Um, do you have any people on your team? Do you work independently or do you have a team? I work independently okay. and I am actually in, you know, like I said earlier, I'm kind of an independent kind of person mm-hmm. and I'm actually doing some things that are requiring me to partner with some other people. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm in conversations. We're in the beginning conversations for a leadership. Um, and I'm going to put it out here because, you know, you say things and then they begin to happen. Exactly. For yeah. a leadership conference nice. for next fall on, and it's the opportunity. It's like, it's actual leadership in action. Because we're going to have a, a small company or a nonprofit come in and present a, prod, a challenge that they're having. And then the participants at the, um, the event w- will be formed into teams. And they, they get to talk about solving the problem and then present their solution. Nice. Yeah. So it's really, I'm really excited about that. And the idea of how in, how can you, you know, this is real leadership, bring a Mm -hmm. group of people together for an hour or two. You've been presented a problem and come up with a solution. Hmm. And then you present the solution, give it to the organization and then the following year, they'll come back and report what they've done. Nice. So Very really cool. takes, you know, it benefits a small organization. Yeah. And it gets people really, you know, gets those brain cells really working <laughs> in conversations. Absolutely. Well, the you know, working with like a mastermind group or something like that, where you have all these minds kind of focused on the same thing. It's amazing the, the creativity yep. in that room, you know, love that. So if I was to bump into somebody that you've worked with in the past um, or you're currently working with and ask them about your leadership style, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Hmm. I don't think I've ever thought about that, about what kind of, what's my leadership style? Very, um, on one hand, very directive. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And on the other hand, very supportive. So I've always got lots of ideas. I'm an idea person. So we start talking about a problem, a challenge that you're having. And it's like, have you, you know, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I really have no investment on how you, what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want authenticity. I want you to say, no, those are all crazy. I'm not doing any of those. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Cause I just, I just, I come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the third part of it really is listening. And I, really work on doing that first before I start throwing out ideas. Yeah. No, it's a good place to start. I wish more leaders would start with that. Yeah. Listening. You know, so many times they come into the room thinking I have to be the smartest person in the room and I have to solve everything. It's like, take a breath, <laughs> listen, you know, allow that space for other people to, to step in and mm-hmm. then kind of guide that. That's really what leadership is about. Right. And let them, and don't even, Oftentimes, don't even add something to what they said. Yeah. Let them own the idea. Yeah. I used to work at uh, Lockheed Aircraft out in California in the uh, Mm. top secret government side. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a a, a guy there, a manager there that he was great at this part. He would come down and he'd come over to us and, you know, big sigh. And we go, what's the matter? He goes, "Ah, I just... We need to do something and it's it's just not possible. Like, what do you mean it's not possible? He goes, ah, we've looked at it from every different angle. It's just, we can't do it. And we said, well, like what, what, what? Well, here's what we were thinking. And he draws out this little picture. And then he goes, I'm just, I'm just frustrated. And he walks away knowing we're going to spend the rest of the week figuring it out and doing it. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's what leaders, rather than managing and, and telling mm-hmm. people what to do, Put the problem to them. Hey, if we want to do a, if we want to improve this process, a five percent improvement, mm-hmm. how could we, how could we do it? And then right. let them go, let them come up with it, and they will. Absolutely, because if you are as a leader, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're the cap <laughs> on what can happen. Yeah. Then, exactly. Find another room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was coaching in a in a program and this was a, a so it was a group, it was a group individual, but I had a group of, of participants and they had all gotten to a certain level in what they were what they were working on. And I realized, ooh, I I needed some coaching. I had something I didn't I wasn't even sure what I needed to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I was the lid on their performance and their effectiveness. Yeah. So it was like I had to break something up so that they could. And so by even that leader saying, I don't know what this is. I don't know. We can't solve this. I don't know how to solve this. Yeah. That's an opening for everyone else. And that's what as leaders we want to create. Exactly. Exactly. That is awesome. Yeah. And that's where the fun is. Absolutely. Yeah. Toss it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Right? Perfect. So what's next for you? I mean, you got the program coming up next fall. Any more books in the works? Any more big girl pennies? Nothing. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. I don't, I don't have that. I've got a, the following. I, the next big thing is the, a series of retreats hmm. that I have wanted to do for years and i and and then things with the pandemic you know just shut down everything but they're there i call it a seasons of season of retreats nice and so we're going to do the first one probably february of 2023 and it's a leadership retreat but there's a physical component so we're going skiing because okay. i love to ski nice and then part of the day will be the leadership and then um, some like inner, inner work. Um, so it's, so it's a mind, body, spirit type 
not very cool. You know, so take care of the body. Mm-hmm. What, like I said, what better place to be than out skiing? Very cool. I'm not a big skier, but I can drink hot toddies with the best of them. So if you need somebody okay, to come and talk so, about courage and leadership, I'll be there. Okay. Be there. So what sport do you love? Because remember, I said this was a season of retreats. Yeah, I, I play at golf. I'm not great, but I like, yeah, I like golf. Well, that's that's one of the spring op- opportunities that I've been thinking about is like in the in the in the south southwest mm-hmm. golf tennis outdoors um sp- summer surfing scuba diving a Alaskan cruise perfect winter or fall in the either northeast northwest biking hiking while the leaves are turning colors so that's yep. why it's the season of retreats. excellent love it yeah well, I'm going to follow up with you on that because I, I think that's awesome. That's great. Getting people out of their element. Yep. It opens a mind up, you know, yep. takes them outside the walls and let them, let them get creative. Very cool. Well, Jane, this has been awesome. If, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? What's your, what's your website? So my website is Lovis Consulting and that's L-O-V as in Victor, A-S consulting.com. Perfect. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me an email. Jay Lovis at Lovis Consulting. Reach out. Awesome. And your podcast is available at Leadership Reimagined. It's available on all outlets, right? Absolutely. Yep. Perfect. Yep. And it's Leadership Re hyphen hyphen Imagined. Got yeah. It. Very good. And your book, is it still available? Can that it book- is. It's okay. available or you can, can send me an email and I'll send you a copy of it. Awesome. Very cool. I know some people that uh, are going to get a copy probably for their Christmas present. It'll be in their, their stock. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Dr. Jay Lovis, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you, Harlan. This was just so much fun. I really absolutely. enjoyed it. And we'll do thank it again. You. We'll absolutely do it again. Absolutely. All right. So listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. Uh, A lot of good takeaways here. Uh, Make sure you check out uh, Dr. Shane's website, Lovis Leadership. No, Lovis Coaching. Lovis Consulting. Consulting. Lovisconsulting.com. I'll have all the links in the show notes, so go there. All right. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.